There it goes, deep into center field, way, way back goes Matty Alou, and that ball is in Astro orbit. And the little dynamo, the toy cannon, now has 76 runs batted into the year. What a shot. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of Toy Cannon Cannon. I'm Vic Raghupathy. I'm Jacob Wessels. And today we've got another special guest. Uh, last week, Jacob had his stepbrother on, and we are keeping it in the family again today. I've got my brother on here, so why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. I'm Varun. I'm Vic's older brother. Uh, I went to Syracuse University. I graduated in 2016. Sports broadcasting is kind of my specialty, but I do other things related to writing and PR and marketing and different stuff like that, but always around both media and sports, so I'm very excited to hop on this podcast and get to talk a little bit about all that and then some more stuff as well. And now the runner taking over is the speedster Herb Washington. Herb Washington, a world-class sprinter, holds a world indoor record in the 50, 100-yard dashes. He is now running for Joe Rudy at first base. Marshall, for a right-hander, is very quick in coming over to first base. Three to two, Los Angeles. Herb Washington at first. They got, they got him. him. Yesterday, I kind of posed myself a question because I was trying to find something that we could tweet out to our you know, hundreds of new Twitter followers. And I stumbled across a random thing on Baseball Reference or, or something that I, I, had, I had often looked at, which is the baseball career of former Panthers linebacker Shaq Thompson, which is you know, a story for another time, but one of the worst baseball careers ever. He had 43 plate appearances and struck out like 37 times and whatever. But I noticed that despite having never gotten a hit, he managed to score three runs. And I was wondering how many times this had happened, right? He, where people don't get hits, but they're able to accrue, you know, other sorts of counting stats, you know, RBIs, runs, stolen bases, that kind of stuff. And so I you know, went on the baseball reference play index and I kind of tried to find it. And so the first thing I was interested in is RBIs. Like, can you, you know, pick up a bunch of RBIs without getting a hit? And the answer is no. Um, there's a guy who has like four RBIs, but they're all pitchers. They were just like, I think, sacrifice bunted guys in basically. And they didn't pick up a hit for the season, but they got three or four RBIs. But if you search by runs, you get, you know, quite the, the bevy of results. And the guy at the top of that list is a man by the name of Herb Washington, who managed to score 29 runs in the 1974 season without recording a hit. And this is a story that actually is kind of more popular than I thought it was, because I never heard of it before yesterday. And then in doing my research for today, I realized that it was actually quite surprising that I'd never heard this story, because not only was there an athletic article written about him two days ago, he was the lead on Effectively Wild yesterday, and there's just all sorts of Herb Washington content out there that's come out in the last couple of days. So now I kind of feel like I'm, I'm last to the table when, when I discovered this yesterday. I was, I was kind of shocked and surprised that it was, it was you know, something I'd never heard of. And so, you know, the question becomes, you know, how and why is Herb Washington a professional baseball player if he scores 29 runs and has no hits? And that's because he is one of the many projects of famed Oakland Athletics owner, Charlie Finley, um, dubbed the designated runner. And so basically he thought that coming off of back-to-back -back World Series, the A's were so good with 24 guys. The 25th guy didn't necessarily need to be someone who could play baseball. 
and could just be someone who could do a very gimmicky, like one-off skill. And so that one-off skill was going to be, you know, pinch running. So it was a late game, pinch runner, steal a base, score run, that kind of stuff. And so Herb Washington is um, quite frankly, one of the fastest people on earth at the time. So he was the, he was the world record holder in the 50 and 60 yard dash. He set those records in college. He was drafted by the Baltimore Colts to kind of do the same thing, just be really fast and play football, but he didn't want to play football. So he turned them down. And then he got his contract offer from the Oakland athletics and he decided to accept that contract to play in the major leagues. Now, um, there's a few things to note about him. He had not played baseball since junior high, so he does not have a tremendous amount of baseball background. And so there was a lot of, you know, you know consternation about when he was signed, especially given the details of how, how much he signed for. So, you know, what, what kind of money do you think, do you think this guy would be paid? League minimum? Is he, is he making, you know, you know, what kind of money is he making? I don't know, maybe like 50000 a year, considering... 70s? 70s. Well, 50,000 a year is, is a very good guess because he made $45,000 plus a $20,000 signing bonus. So it's like 65,000. So that's 65. Do you know where it would take, where it would be in terms of like, is that vet minimum, is 45K vet minimum in the 70s? So I looked it up. Reggie Jackson the year before made $55,000. Oh my God. Now, he, now Reggie Jackson got a huge pay increase in 74. Right. So it's not that fun as a statistic. Right. So Reggie Jackson ended up making $170,000 in, in, in 74. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, whatever. But basically, he was getting Reggie Jackson money. The league average salary was $40,000 all in. He was making $65K. Uh, the minimum was like $20,000. So he was making almost three times the minimum. And not only did he get a, a, a contract of, of large stature, he also had a, a, a clause in the contract that he couldn't be demoted, he couldn't be cut, and he couldn't be traded. So the Oakland Athletics were going to pay him this money, and they couldn't send him down, and they had to use it, basically, for an entire major league season. And so this is an absurd contract to give to a guy who, again, hasn't played baseball since he was in middle school. Like, I mean, it's, it's I mean, he hasn't played baseball for, like, a, a real team. Apparently, he played, like, some club baseball in college. But, like, he basically hasn't played, you know, real team baseball in a, in a long time. And... There was another stipulation in this contract, which is that he had to grow facial hair before the beginning of the season. That was another one of Charlie Finley's things. All the players had facial hair. So in order to get the guaranteed contract, he had to have facial hair, but he couldn't grow facial hair. So, you know, fearing that he was going to lose the money, he ended up using a colored pencil and an eyebrow pencil to kind of shade in a mustache. <laughs> and so that's how he ended up getting a mustache to, to, to make the Oakland A's uh, out of spring training. But, you know, one of the most interesting things to me about this is, you know, how did the team receive it? Because obviously this is one of the best teams in baseball, and now they're kind of being subjected to this, you know, gimmick. And so, you know, the players on the team were, were kind of mixed emotions. So they all kind of knew that he, they, all were, they were all really, you know, excited about how fast he was. Raleigh Fingers was like, this guy is the fastest person I've ever seen. Bert Campanera said that, you know, this guy was definitely going to steal a base that won us a game at some point. But they all kind of also acknowledge that he's an outstanding athlete, but he is not a baseball player. Like, not only is he not a baseball player, but, like, he can barely play baseball. He couldn't identify pickoff moves. He couldn't identify pitch types. 
like, so he comes to spring training that season and Charlie Finley brings in Maury Wills to kind of be a base running instructor just for him. And so during spring training, while everyone else is doing, you know, normal spring training things, uh, Herb Washington is just doing running drills. He's learning about reading pitches. He's learning about how far to turn, when to turn, you know, how to accelerate when, when you know, running the bases, not to take too wide of a route. You know, when the rest of the team is taking bratting practice, he's just in the outfield running back and forth, basically, doing all sorts of running drills. And so that kind of, you know, made him a bit of a pariah because not only is he not a baseball player, he's not really doing the rest of the stuff with the team, right? Like he's not getting to bond with the team in the same way where they're all doing the same drills and they're all doing, you know, all that kind of stuff together. He doesn't even have a position group. He's, he's, a, he's a runner, you know? And so, and so, you know, he got a lot of, he got a lot of shit from his teammates. But eventually he kind of realized that if he was going to, you know, receive all this shit, for, for what he was doing and you know, what he was trying, he was just going to have to give it right back to them. And so, you know, it was kind of unheard of that rookies would be talking back to vets. The, you know, like, this is kind of the, the prime era of, like, vet, he's veteran hazing of rookie players. And all of a sudden, Herb Washington just tar- started, you know, talking a bunch of smack at him. So he got caught stealing once, and Gene Tennis was like, you can't steal for shit. And he was like, well, you couldn't throw me out. And, you know, he was just doing things that at the time people were like, oh, my God, I, can you believe the gall of this rookie, especially this rookie who can't play baseball? It, people were saying that if you, would, if you had not known anything about the team and you'd been around the team, you would have thought Herb Washington was the longest tenured guy on the ball club. Because even though he couldn't play baseball, he just walked in like he owned the place because he knew he had one skill that nobody else had. And that is that, you know, if you're a even if you're a good baseball player, you know, you're going to have your bad days, you're going to have your good days. Every single day, he was the fastest man to walk onto the field because he might have been the fastest man on earth. So, you know, this kind of came to a head um, when, when he, you know, raced Blue Moon Odom. So we've talked about races between players on the podcast before, uh, most famously with Lip Pike when he raced a horse. Um, and this was kind of the same premise. That Blue Moon Odom basically was sick of how much shit her Washington was talking about, especially about how fast he is. So he said, I'm going to race you and I'm going to win. And Gene Tennis kind of acted as a promoter for the race. He was like making t-shirts. He was, you know, doing promotional stuff in the clubhouse. I don't know. I don't, apparently he was promoting it like it was a fight in the clubhouse. The manager was, was like on board with it. It was a whole thing about the team. And they get the two guys out in the stadium one day after a game. And... Washington says he'll give uh, Blue Moon Odom a 10-yard head start. And so Blue Moon Odom thinks he's got to walk in the park. He takes off. He starts running. He kind of gets around second base. He still has a pretty substantial lead. They're doing a race around the bases. Um, And then, you know, apparently Herb Washington hadn't even turned on the Jets. He was just kind of jogging. And right as Blue Moon Odom touches second base, Herb Washington turns on the Jets. And before Blue Moon Odom can even get to third, Herb Washington has already flown past him. And so it was kind of, you know, like the beat the freeze style thing where then Blue Moon Odom was like, oh shit, because he almost like wiped out apparently because he was so surprised by how quickly he was overtaken. What's crazy here is Blue Moon Odom's a pitcher, right? Yeah. So he's a pitcher. I mean, he has actually, Blue Moon Odom also appears on this list uh, of, of guys who have lots of runs without hits because the A's used him as a pinch runner. He was, you know, considered to be one of the fastest guys. I mean, he's just an outstanding athlete. Also, was, not the first uh, pitcher used as a pinch runner that we've seen on on the podcast. Yeah, 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 right. But um, but he was kind of regularly regularly used as a pitch run, pitch runner in some capacity. He was a great athlete. He was probably the second fastest guy on the team, according to most players, which is you know fascinating coming out of a pitcher. But um, 
So, you know, he kind of stands up to these guys. He, you know, he finds his, his place on the team. But one of the things to me that's, that's fascinating about the Herb Washington story is that, like, even though he was really fast and even though he spent all of spring training learning how to play baseball and learning how to read pitches and, and you know, learning how to do all of that stuff, he was still pretty bad as a pinch runner. Like, he stole 29 bags, scored 29 runs, but he was also caught stealing 16 times, which is, like, you're still 65% of your bases. Like, that's not good. And he was picked off even more than that. Apparently, he got picked off all the time because he just, like, didn't – he couldn't figure out the difference between a balk and, like, a pickoff move. And so people just kind of kept taking advantage of that by doing these pickoff moves that, like, he called, like, balk moves but probably were technically legal that someone with more baseball expertise might have might have been able to, you know, know. And so it kind of proved that, you know, even if he's so fast, there's not a lot of room for him in baseball. So did you get any details on why he chose baseball over football? Because football can be more instinctual. Like if he's just a running back, he could much more easily slide in. Is it a health thing? Is it a money thing? Well, I mean, first of all, he got paid much more money to play baseball. But also he got the football contract almost a year and a half before the baseball contract. I think it's mostly that he just didn't want to play football. There's not a ton of details about, you know, his football career out there. So, um, so what year, what was the specific year that was his rookie year? 74 is his rookie year. Okay. So that, okay. That's perfect because not only is this guy talking shit, he's talking shit to the two time champs. This is pre free agency. So everybody in that clubhouse has rings, right? And this guy comes in and he's getting paid more than these champions and he's talking shit. And as you've stated, he's not particularly good at the one thing that he's paid all that money to do. It's just a fascinating story. It's so weird. But the thing about it is that despite the fact that he wasn't that good, people still talk about him like he kind of was that good, which is like, I don't know if like stolen base, you know, stolen bases was harder to come by in the 70s or, or like, or what exactly was happening. Because it doesn't, I mean, his numbers are bad. But people, I think, were just impressed with the idea that he was, you know, scoring, you know, all these runs and stealing all these bases. And, and kind of in a small ball era of baseball, his speed was considered game-changing, even if he wasn't always successful at stealing bases and, you know, he created runs other ways. Because, I mean, people didn't, you know, people always got on, gave him shit for his blunders. But even the guys in the A's who were, like, the most hardline guys were like, this guy, you know, made some plays for us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, if he joins in 74, I don't know what kind of role he played on their three-peat team, but, I mean, he was still on it, so. Yeah, he has a World Series ring. Yeah. So, so I'll get to his, uh, his World Series appearance in a minute. But he started off the year really awfully. And I think that's another reason why people kind of, you know, think of him as being maybe a bit more successful. He was caught four of his first five attempts which if you, you know, kind of do that, if you take out, you know, the inexperience of, of his first couple months, all of a sudden you, you know, kind of get a more respectable ratio of like 28 to 12, which yeah. you know, is not great, but it, it at least makes more sense. And then he also kind of apparently got banged up at the end of the year. So he was a little bit slower and got caught more at the end of the year, but he had a stretch in the middle of the season where he went like 22 basically. And I think that's when people were really like, oh, shit, this guy is game-changing. Whenever he gets on, he can steal whatever base he wants. But he made the playoff roster, and that really pissed off some of the guys because they were like, look, we're good enough to win games. In the regular season, you know, we can, we can you know, manage with this. But now it's playoff time. Now we're like, 
you know, getting serious. We can't have this gimmicky pinch runner guy who's going to make a base running gaffe that costs us the World Series. And he almost did. In game two of the World Series, he got picked off by Mike Marshall uh, in, a, in a kind of well-known play. There's a Vince Scully calls it. The clip is still on YouTube if you, if you want to go back to watch it. They, they showed it in the Effectively Wild episode. But basically, Marshall just kept throwing over to first because he knew that eventually he was going to be able to pick him off. And it's the World Series. So Marshall just threw over to first like five straight times. And eventually, Herb Washington just kept making his lead bigger and bigger because he kept getting back. And he's like a cocky guy. So he's like, you're not going to get me. You can't touch me. You can't touch me. And eventually, he gets picked off. And that was the end of, of kind of the end of the Herb Washington experiments because everyone was just so pissed off about that. And it kind of was embarrassing on the national stage that they kind of had this guy who just completely looked lost on the base path. So they were like, how they like it basically was like a you know, disrespect to baseball. Like this guy does no right to be on a baseball field. And that kind of was shown to a national audience for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so he came back uh, the next season, but then was kind of cut very early in the year. He didn't get his guaranteed contract that year. Um, he was cut 13 games into the season. And, and that was the end of the Herb Washington experiment. But he ended his career with 33 runs, 31 stolen bases, and zero plate appearances, which is really something else to look at. And that's all of the stats that he accrued. I mean, he also had caught stealings, but that's it. Um, if you're wondering kind of how more advanced numbers reflected on him, he was worth negative one base running runs, according to baseball reference. He was worth negative 0.5 war. Although, you know, a lot of the war that's baked in there is um, – is just negative war from not playing defense basically um because he's penalized for not playing you know not doing he's basically penalized for wasting a roster spot uh his base running was actually more neutral but because he just didn't couldn't do anything else he was worth a negative half a win um and according to fan graphs his win probability added was actually slightly positive it was 0.06 so I mean, that's basically nothing, but he helped them win more games than he cost them. So at worst, he was probably a roster spot neutral player when adjusted for, you know, context of his steals and stuff. Um, so was he always put in just in the ninth, or were there ever times where he was put in sort of mid-game and he actually had to go out there and play, or was he immediately just subbed out? He never, he never did anything other than run the bases. He, he didn't have a glove. They okay. had to, that's actually a story that they had him running in the outfield. Uh, when he was running in the outfield, he was always so scared of getting hit by a fly ball. He was like dodging them. So they gave him a glove to just wear while he was running so he could catch fly balls. And he couldn't catch them either. Like he would like keep muffing them and stuff. And so then he decided to get rid of the glove. And so he just didn't have a glove. So, I mean, like he couldn't do anything else. He, he came in sometimes earlier in games. His earliest ever appearance was the fifth inning, but he was always immediately lifted. He never played the field, never did any of that. So, so that's the thing, right? So that's a combination of having really good teammates, as he did. If you score 29 runs in a year, then people have to, you know, get you around. But each time he's out there, you know, it's like he can only accumulate stats in one sitting, right? He doesn't get four bats a game. He doesn't get five innings in the field. So – to put up those numbers anyway, there's a weird impressiveness to it just every time. It just yeah. Started. I mean, there are guys who played full seasons who struggled to get 30 runs. And yeah. this guy managed to do it. In, I mean, he appeared in 92 games. So, okay. all of the so he had 92 opportunities to score, and he scored on a third of them. 
I mean, that's a testament to his teammates, but you have to imagine that he's doing something to create those runs. Was he good? Is there any anything noted, like a good first to third guy or like a good second home guy? It's very hard to find that information. I, most of the information about his base running out there is basically just how awkward he was when he was like trying to steal and stuff. But a lot of the games when he scored runs um, – you know, he didn't steal a base. So, you, you know, you wonder how those runs were created. Is it just that he got on and then Reggie Jackson hit a home run and anyone could have scored? Or is it, you know, that he actually, he actually produced some runs by being really, really fast? You know, that kind of is a, is a question that, that was the question they addressed on Effectively Wild because his Topps 1975 baseball card, which was considered his rookie card, is actually one of the most collectible cards out there. It goes for $40, which is more than like many Hall of Fame rookie cards from that era. And the reason why it is, is because it is the only card ever produced where the person's position listed is pinch run. Everyone else has like an actual baseball position listed and the position listed on his 1975 card is pinch run. And so it's kind of a rare card. In the athletic article, he kind of mentions how he still every week one or two people sent him the card asking for them to get it autographed because it's like one of the rarer cards that they have. Because uh, at the time, people weren't collecting them, but then you know, cards became collectible and people noticed this weird thing that you know, he was you know, pinch runner only and they wanted to kind of get that card. But on the back of the card, you know, they do the little write-up on the back of every Topps card. On the back of Herb Washington's card, the writer of the card alleges that Herb Washington single-handedly won the 1974 Athletics nine games that year, which, which Ben Lindbergh couldn't believe and, and I will, you know, kind of follow up his research uh, with a bit of my own to say that I also don't believe this. For one, the 1974 Athletics only won 90 games, which would insinuate the two-time defending champions would have basically been a 500 team were it not for this pitch runner. Um, and I'm not clear that's true. And the other thing is that if you just look at the game logs and you go through, it's not like directly he couldn't have possibly affected that many games. There were six games in which he scored a run and the Athletics won by one run, right? So there were other games where he scored a run and they won, but they won by more than one run, so he obviously didn't single-handedly win that game. So there are really only six games that he could single-handedly have won in the game, and I, and I you know, kind of hesitate to think that all of those are, are, are exactly true. You know. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think that, sh that this person is correct or anything, uh, not that I know the research, but I guess if, if this person could be insinuating that, like, let's say uh, Herb Washington tries to steal second in like the fifth inning and there's a wild throw and this wild this error leads to something happening that turns the game it's hard to track those things as well but they make a demonstrable difference on any game like errors that you create by making plays and you just can't track that it wasn't tracked really as much back then oh i mean i totally agree bj upton I, you know if you look back at the 2008 world series he totally changed that world series not because of how well he was hitting but just the way he was able to play in the pouring rain yeah. because he could just play a sloppy and fast brand of baseball that nobody else could play. There was the you know, in game three, was it, when he reached on an infield chopper and then stole second and then stole third and the throw went away and he came home. And like that is single-handedly scoring a run without really doing anything. And that's the kind of effect that speed can have on a game. The other um, thing that's sort of fascinating about this is that even here, even, even at this point when they're winning three straight World Series the athletics were never were, were always like a small market team. They were never a rich team. Like even during this point, they were struggling to sell. They, they didn't sell out games. Yeah. Like, like that's unheard of today. 
you, and, you championship team, you get you get to sell out every game next year and the year and during when you win it, you know. And so the fact that they would put sixty thousand dollars on one roster spot for someone that is just a runner that just does one thing and doesn't even do that thing excellently. You got to canonize his agent next week. Yeah, it would probably make Billy Bean hurl. It would. I mean, it's it's not out of character for Charlie Finley, who at some point I'm going to canonize some of his other innovations that people forget about because there are some of the obvious ones that everyone knows, but there are so many that people don't know about. And the ones that people don't know about are arguably more absurd than the ones that people do know about. Um, this is, you know, one of the more well-known ones. But yeah, so so then going back to, you know, if he single-handedly won the nine games, he also had four games where the A's lost by a run and he was caught stealing um, hmm. a lot of times in the late innings, which means that he took a runner off base in a, in a one-run game that they, you know, otherwise may have had the chance to win. So, you know, for, even for what he single-handedly won them, he definitely also played a significant role in losing them at least four games. So, I mean, you know, mixed returns on the Herb Washington experiment, I, I think for the most part, um, but this was, you know, even when Herb Washington got cut, this was not the end of Charlie Finley's desire to pursue this sort of player. And he kept signing these guys, but he signed them not because they were the fastest people ever, but because they were the fastest baseball players available. Charlie Finley would have loved Billy Hamilton. Um, but the Athletics had not just Herb Washington, but three other players score double-digit runs and not have a hit in a season over wow. the kind of era uh, in the in the mid seventies, uh, but one guy who did have a hit and, and kind of became the most famous successor to the Herb Washington experiment is a man named Matt Alexander. Uh, they got Matt Alexander in seventy five to replace Herb Washington, and then he spent three years in Oakland. Uh, and he, you know, didn't get a ton of hits. He had twelve in his entire career in Oakland, but he had enough hits that he didn't qualify for my my baseball perspective or baseball reference play index search, but the thing that is notable about Matt Alexander is that he is the greatest pinch runner of all time. He also doesn't have the greatest ratio ever, 103 stolen bases to 42 caught stealings. I don't know why these people who were given such a leeway to steal just didn't convert that high a percentage of them. But Matt, I mean, and part of it might just be because you know when they're coming in, they're being paid to steal a base, so you're just very, very cautious about it. So maybe converting 65% of your steals in those kind of situations is actually good. But Matt Alexander holds the record as the greatest pinch runner of all time because he has stolen 91 bases as a pinch runner. And that is far and away the most bases ever stolen as a pinch runner. And the Herb Washington experiment helped to launch his career, which ended up, you know, becoming like a seven, eight year major league career uh, where he, you know, got like 13 at-bats a season, but, you know, managed to pinch run you know, almost 30, 40 times a year. So, you know, he, he was, you know, a better fielder, better baseball player, still worth negative one career war, but, you know, it, it was kind of a, you know, a real career born out of kind of a scandalous, not scandalous, but just a you know, stupid experiment. I find it to be the, the oddest of coincidences that, you know, at this time you have the Oakland Raiders who are excellent and they're owned by Al Davis, who is himself obsessed with speed. Cliff Branch, and then now the Raiders, even to this day, years and years after Al Davis has died, they want the fastest receiver in the game. Look at this past NFL draft. And so you have the same concept for two totally different teams, two totally different sports in the same city. Maybe it's something in the water there. The Warriors have also had really fast small ball teams, whether it's Run TMC or the We Believe Warriors always went small. Mm. I, 
I guess the Bay Area is just like quirky like that. You know, they like those kinds of things. Yeah, I know the allure, the allure of speed. I mean, one of the things that that, that this kind of reminded me of was like when I was little, like I do a debate with my dad who argued that some team should sign Usain Bolt to be a pinch runner. And he was like, he's so fast, he would steal the base every time. There's no reason you shouldn't, you know, it's, he's worth a roster spot. And, and I don't know what Herb Washington tells me about that. I don't know if you guys have any opinions on it. Well, I think one thing it tells you is that being a baseball player is a really important part of whatever you do in baseball. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it certainly tells you that. So I, I don't think, you know, Usain Bolt would be, be game-breaking, but he's also presumably much faster than Herb Washington. And we're also much better at training people now. I mean, this is just kind of a silly debate, but I think you might be able to pull it off better now than you could have in the 70s. It's, it's funny because, like, part of what makes Bolt Bolt is how tall he is and how much longer his strides are than everybody else's. And that kind of gets kneecapped with 90 feet in between each bit. Like, he might almost get hurt trying to slide a little bit too late and then jamming up against second base. So. I would, I would rather have him, like, in hit-and-run situations. If somebody squeaks one down the line and right, then both scoring. You know, that's where I think his, his, he's really weaponized is as somebody who can run when somebody else creates. But it'd be, really, it'd be interesting to see, certainly, if someone could train him. The thing about that is, though, Bolt is also really good, maybe better than anyone, at controlling his speed. Like, he has such a good, steady hand on the controls when it comes to, like, like we've seen him kind of hot dog in races, but still be first by a long margin. Yeah, so, gold medal races. Yeah. So, so I think he, there's definitely like a risk factor there, and he would have to learn how to slide well. But I, I think he'd be able to control his speed and temper it there. Yeah, that's one thing they didn't bring up when they were talking about you know his, his baseball career. They never talked about him learning to slide, and I think that's like an interesting thing. Because it's like you watch guys who haven't slid before, like you watch like highlights of pitchers and stuff trying to slide, and they're just like these ugly, like tumble. It looks like they're falling over. It's not easy to do, and and so I, you know, you almost wonder like what you know how long it took to teach him how to slide, or if it kind of came naturally to her. Weren't they talking about that in the last dance that like MJ wasn't able to slide? I mean, I, I, as someone who hasn't watched the last dance, I uh, I can't weigh in on that. Not uh, yet, binging. I am gonna be binging it. I, I need to at some point. Good for you. Good for you. I will say it was it was really it was a great experience to watch it, but I am also jealous that somebody like yourself gets to see it for the first time still. Mm. I will say I did I one of the reasons why I think that Herb Washington actually uh, has been in the news a lot in the recent weeks is because of the last dance. Yeah. Uh, when MJ was trying to play baseball, one of the things he specifically noted is that he did not want to be like Herb Washington. Wow. Yeah. So he didn't kind of want to be marginalized as like this guy who was like a gimmicky speed player. He wanted to actually play baseball, actually get at bats, actually hit, which is part of the reason he signed with the White Sox because they promised him that opportunity as opposed to other teams, which kind of didn't, didn't give him the same chance or said, maybe we can put you in the majors right away, but you're not going to you know, play the way you want to. So, you know, that's why he opted to come up with minor leagues and stuff the way he did, because he didn't want to be Herb Washington. Right. It, it, this whole thing reminds me of when I was in Little League, there was a kid, I'm not going to say his name, but there was a kid who was a better soccer player and played in our Little League. And the only thing he was really good at was stealing bases because he was taller and faster than everybody else or like moving on the base pads. So 
getting him out wasn't too difficult. But once he was on base, everybody was like worried. And that aspect of like everybody being worried if you're on the base paths is another intangible that a person like Herb Washington could bring to the table, you know, unless he's not been picked off by that point. We had a player who was like that, who came up to the majors the first year he could because he had an older brother that was there. And so uh, our little league like did that, like made that provision and he was also a much more talented soccer player than he was uh, a baseball player. But the other thing was he learned how to lay down a bunt. Hmm. He could really lay down a nice bunt, and he got on base all the time like that. There were a couple players in the league like that. Yep. Yeah, you'd think, honestly, if you were trying to, to you know, teach this guy who'd never played baseball before or at a high level to be like the speed demon fast guy, you'd probably want to teach him how to lay down a bunt. And yep. it doesn't seem like they ever really tried to. They kind of just decided he wasn't going to play baseball, and he was totally fine with that. At one point, the, the A's manager, they were, they were getting blown out. They were down by, like, 15 runs. Nolan Ryan was pitching. And the manager, Al Dark, said to her, Washington, hey, we're not winning this game. Do you want to actually play baseball? Like, I'll put you in. You can play left field. And face Nolan Ryan. And he said he, he was not afraid of Nolan Ryan but he decided to say no and not play in the game because he wanted to preserve his stat line of, of only being a runner. You know, he didn't, he didn't want to, he didn't want to, you know, to, to do anything else. There's a big difference between zero and one plate appearance, not just a bat plate appearance, right? There's a purity to that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's definitely a, you know, a specific thing uh, to catch up with Herb Washington nowadays, after he retired from baseball, he invested his athletics money into a McDonald's franchise and he actually now is one of the biggest McDonald's owners in all of Ohio. So if you go to a McDonald's in Ohio, good chance that it's owned by Herb Washington. Good for him. Also good for Herb Washington. He donated 400 masks to a Youngtown, Youngstown hospital to help with the coronavirus pandemic. And so Herb Washington, stand-up guy all around, McDonald's owner, fastest man to ever play baseball potentially, an absolute legend. I don't know if I'd buy that he wasn't afraid that he was unafraid of Nolan Ryan. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not so clear of it either. But given the amount of snacky talk, I'm not clear that's you know untrue.